0: Everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Not a Real Veteran Podcast. Um, I am not a one man band. There are lots of people behind the curtains, and they are the Not a Real Libertarian Podcast network of podcasts. We have shows most days of the week, and um, even that behind the scenes, we have our own meme creator, we have a producer, we have a secretary now. Um, we actually hired her because her name is secretary. I don't know if you've heard the one about the man named Crintus that decided to become a dentist, but, uh, we found a very nice, very competent, uh, lady whose name is secretary. So we hired her to be our secretary and, uh, could not do this without them. And you can find us on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Google podcast, Apple podcast, Twitter, anchor, and Spotify. I can put you in first class up in KY. That's what James Toyer says. Uh, James Toyer is running for the state house uh, in Kentucky. Um, If you're over in Kentucky, in my very not humble opinion, you have some good representation on the federal level with uh, Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, but uh, James Toyer is running to, you know, focus on Kentucky issues in Kentucky. And if you're not in Kentucky, you can still check out his website. That is Toyer4KY.com. T-O-L-L-E-R. The number 4KY.com. And Chris By is running for Alaska's congressman. They only get one. And damn it, it ought to be Chris By. And I'm saying that because he pays us money. And I'm saying that because he's been on the show. Um, and I can't vote for him anyways. But I am tempted to move to Alaska just to vote for him. He... Like I said, was uh, on the show before. He was enlisted in the United States Army, got his commission, got out and moved to Alaska, became a fishing guide, I believe. So he is a very legit guy. And you can check out his campaign at www.itstimealaska.com. Of course, the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, uh, with their awesome motto, of leading veterans, no, leading libertarians to veteran issues and veterans to libertarian solutions, and we previously figured out that you can apply the inverse property of caucuses, and it works the other way too. You can lead veterans to the libertarian issues and lead libertarians to the veteran solutions, and that is phenomenal as well, and that's what the caucus is all about. And last, definitely not least, we have redemptiontactical.com, If you want to get tactical, get tactical with them. Um, And if you use this link right here, then they know we sent you. And that's where you should be getting all of your tactical gear from. If you're not tactical, get tactical with Redemption Tactical. I thought I had something else to mention, but if I did, it wasn't. Did it have something to do with the Veteran Caucus? I don't think it did that's it that's who brings you these episodes and we appreciate them very much uh tonight's episode i'm extremely excited for because i have my great friend sam say what's up sam
1: hello hello how, how what's up
0: uh not a lot man how you doing today
1: oh you know the usual chilling enjoying my day off well I spoke about a little earlier got my car mm-hmm. cleaned mostly but I still have a lot more work
0: left to do on that bad boy. Man, I remember what I was going to say. I was going to introduce you a little bit more. Um, You are from – you grew up just north of South Carolina, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and just a little south of Virginia, like right between (laughs) the two.
0: Yeah. And uh, we, of course, met basically at the beginning of our – time in germany because so it was phase one <laughs> training um that was the beginning of your air force career that was the beginning of my uh third and last assignment but uh we showed up there on scene about the same time yeah dude
1: uh oh man how long what was that 2016 It's like january 2016 for me just mm-hmm. shock that was you now going from like little podunk town in north carolina <clears throat> to like oh by the way dude uh you're in germany now
0: man that's crazy
1: yeah no it, we've been friends for a minute dude
0: yeah yeah for sure uh and yeah that was i mean i mean we're gonna talk about all of the air force stuff that was a pretty good group we had too to be honest i'm trying to remember um there was strickland uh brian nango waving sky yeah, yeah. um there's was, was Harris. yeah harrison too was he actually in like our phase one class or was he right behind us I don't even know who that is, so it must have been behind us. Yeah, you do. Who? Who? Harrison? mm Is that not his name? He was married to DeRoe?
1: I don't remember their names. Was it Harrison? <laughs> Shit, I, it, might thought so, yeah. <laughs> it
0: might be. so, man. It might <laughs> be. Anyways, he existed, and he had a name, and we knew him. Um. Oh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a little... Little false marriage, you know, got around pretty quick. That was uh, one of my favorite stories every now and again, dude. Was that? Oh, it's gotta be, man.
0: I remember because, like I said, that was my that was my third uh, duty station. I had just put on senior airman, so I mean, I'd I'd been two places prior. Not that I stayed there for a long time, but I'd been two places. So I'd been around Mm -hmm. the block somewhat, and um, I had heard just casually because i had a i had a car at that point so I yeah you you did that little piece of shit yes the red roller skate i remember that um so i mean i was you know being a good airman and uh, i was you know just carpooling with you guys since none of you guys had vehicles yet um Mm -hmm. i feel like i was doing my part for the e4 mafia and i'd heard people mention uh these two guys like kind of in passing like oh they're gonna show up soon and i knew that they were married and i you know was not judging him, but then whenever I met, I believe it's Harrison for the first time, they were asking him when his husband was going to get there. And then, you know, he's like in the back scene, he looks up and he's like, Oh, don't worry about it. I'm not gay. And I was like, Dude, don't say anything. And he was <laughs> like, No, we just got married so we can live off the base <laughs> together. This and the other were buddies. And I like stopped the car and I turned around and I was like, like Stop talking. Don't tell me up, that. Dude. And don't tell anybody else that. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone, obviously, but just you should not be comfortable disclosing oh that, you know? So, which I mean, that's a pretty baller move. I can't say that I, uh, I can't say that I don't respect the hustle because I do in a sense, but even whenever I got to Germany, they made me live off base and I didn't really like that. And it actually did cause problems, but um, it it Vogelway, they just built those brand new dorms and uh, they were awesome and living. I mean, some people are ready to get out of the dorms immediately. And I guess I understand that, but that was very much not me. Like
1: I definitely would not have been dude. Holy crap. I could barely keep my dorm room like by myself together. No, Mm -hmm. I need, I'd say personally, I definitely need that super you know, fresh out of high school, fresh out of my parents' house where they took care of everything. Now they're like, oh, by the way, take care of yourself. Had they forced me off base, oh, I would have fucked myself. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's that. And then, I mean, I don't know, dude, dorm life's just so chill. I mean, I like having roommates, um, which is not something that's important to me, but I, I, I sure don't mind it. In fact, I like it, uh, because, you know, you kind of got like automatic friends, even if they're unwilling, it's like, no, you're my friend. We live together. And then uh, different places are different. Thule, they, we didn't have to go buy toilet paper, which that just meant the world to me that you could just like walk down the hall to like a closet and get free toilet paper and light bulbs. So that's what I was like. Why would anybody want to leave?
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. Uh, Granted, you know, once I got married and such and uh, Mm -hmm. got to my next station being Davis Montham and the dirty tea of Arizona, man, it's a whole story in and of itself. Uh, Having my own place and like with my wife, I'm like, okay, we, things are going to change now, you know, gotta go from a single life of like, just, you know, being a single man, like what's wrong with having a single chair and talking about. We have pull out chairs. We got folding chairs in the garage. Grab yourself one.
0: Yeah. No. Nope. Things, yeah. No. That is different. I remember I was thinking about that today. I mean, not officially, because I don't think you guys were married yet. In fact, I'm almost certain you weren't. In, but uh, you had her living with you in the dorm for like what, weeks at a time.
1: Dude, in no, no, dorm. no. Like months. Really? Dude, Uh, she got there like right before her birthday, mm-hmm. right? So like early December. And I ended up PCSing like late March. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was there over ninety days. And when we were trying to get on the rotator out of Ramstein, the like their border protection or whatever, the border patrol, mm-hmm. they were super super pissed at us. Or really super pissed at her, yeah, because she had overstayed her visa.
0: Oh sure.
1: <laughs> so we get up to like the toll booth or whatever, and he's like you've been here too long. We're like, all right, cool. Well, we're leaving. We're on our way to Maryland. <laughs> I know how to like, fix that. Exactly. Like, we'll get out of here. He's like, no. We're like, okay. Uh, you want us to stay? No, no, you must leave. Okay. Like, let us hop on the plane and you won't ever see us again. He's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. She overstayed her visa. She's in trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so what are you going to do about it? He's like, she must leave. I'm like, bro, I'm... I'm t- That's the idea. The only person I have to talk to now to make everything go the way you want. Mm. Trust me. Like, if you let us go, we are helping each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, she stayed like, it's like a hundred and some odd days um, with them being like 20 or so days past her visa.
0: That's sick, man. Like I said, I love dorm life. And I mean, I know she's cool. And she's also, I mean, pretty used to the life. Um, Maybe not that close to like being literally in the dorms. But uh, the fact that you did subject her to your roommates, um, because who were your roommates? It was Strickland and Brian and who else? It was a quads, right? So you had one. Yeah,
1: so we, we had. tree. it was just us three for a while because like we were like, some of the first kids to move in mm-hmm. then we got the fourth thing to Kramer he was cool oh yeah Then somewhere and then we got mooney which i think is like
0: well after you you i don't know if you knew mooney I mean I know the name but uh i don't you know i don't remember meeting him now he got out and went
1: guard garter reserve somewhere up uh in the northeast and seems to be loving life
0: yeah um, I mean, some really good people in that unit, man. It wasn't. I oh mean, the, yeah, that assignment wasn't a very good assignment for me, but um, yeah, some really cool people, man, all the way down. Um, yeah, th- like like I said, those dorms were fresh. They were just <clears throat> built whenever we showed up, and I remember like the first week I was even there. Um, some people had gotten probably not arrested, but a uh, big time trouble, threatened with DUI, just because they were having a dorm party, and they were like still some like bobcats or uh, skid steers around the dorms and um people were oh just i chilling remember on that yeah. yes oh my god i completely forgot about that you know we were i mean
1: what do you expect you know hey we're gonna take this 18 year old kid throw him in germany
0: where legal drinking age is like 16 mm-hmm yeah, dude, knock yourself out. Well, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Like, it was a cool place. I was excited to be there. It's a special unit. We can talk about that a little bit later. So, I mean, like, a really unique opportunity. But, yeah, whenever we got there, there was that, which is not, like, that weird or that bad. But then also, the very first, because we while we were in Phase 1 training, we had to go to an all-call. And I don't think it happened there. I think I got introduced to the NCOIC of the S2I, which is kind of like the unit's detectives. Um, mm-hmm. And... Like a week after that, he got busted by OSI because he was going to meet like a 16 year old girl on base. Oh, and it was shit. OSI. I
1: remember that. Oh yeah, my God, did. that was a huge mark on the unit. That was, yeah, yeah, of course.
0: And that was like right after we got there. So I was kind of like, what's going on here? Um, do you by chance remember Powell? He was also S2- S2I under that. Uh, no, I remember Powell the armor Is it the same guy? No, no, is the uh, well. howl
1: mm-hmm. what he was his rank
0: staff no i guess not yeah black guy no i mean no not not ringing major bills yeah because there's always like him and a chick
1: and uh they would like do like our, they did our controlled burn and all that stuff and oh
0: he, wow i didn't know they did that that was mm-hmm. after i left gotcha yeah, no
1: ran back into him uh at davis month and he was doing the oh. same thing got picked up by s2i like real mm-hmm. quick as soon as he got there and then he they're like they really wanted him to stay in i don't know if he made tech and he basically just told them like where they could shove it and uh my unit at, at david at dm was uh adjacent to a reserve unit mm-hmm. so he just jumped ship over there and became a cop up in phoenix doing the same exact thing no wow. powell was super cool helped us out a lot both on and off job
0: um was the chick you're talking about was that sergeant Banda? Yeah, she was uh, she ran our S1 when I was at Osan. So I left kind of like she did some of the out processing with her and then uh, get over there. And then, yeah, then she was uh, working over there as well. Uh, Helen, you remember Jamari Helen? He worked, sounds familiar. He he was I mean, yeah, he was he's a cool guy. He's a really big personality. Um, So, I mean, I mean, just a very, very, very flamboyant black man um super nice uh he was also at osan with me but he had a back office job he worked in s5 um doing something over there but he he'd picked the osan option where he went two years um instead of a short tour so I, i don't know what the i don't know what the upside of that is the upside you know seems to be like yeah you can get some office jobs but uh the downside is you don't get a base of preference so if you're unaccompanied i don't know why anybody chooses that but and I then think
1: for Inserlik, if you did like the 18th month, the 18 month to uh two year sign on over there, mm-hmm. you got all your money tax free. Like like there is some tax benefit.
0: Gotcha, and that makes sense. I hadn't heard that, but that's pretty cool. Remember that knife you gave me after I got back from my deployment? That bench made. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, like I call. love. Oh, say that again, please. I said it's in my car right now. Like I carry it every day.
0: Dude, I love Benchmade Knives. I never uh, had a brand before, but it's actually when I was in uh, Thule still – I was just shopping because I had so much spare money over there. Like I said, there's just not a lot to spend your money on. Mm. And it actually makes me really sad looking back on those days because, like, I've never had that much money in my bank account since. Uh, yep. So, adult fail on my part. But um, I was looking, I was buying, like, I was just buying stuff. I bought, like, a, I was on 511. I bought a backpack, uh, which I have over there. Um, I was buying a backpack and I was buying a pocket knife. And I just went with the bench made because, like, yeah, it was kind of expensive, but, um, it had really good reviews and stuff and it wasn't too expensive and i was it was towards the end of my tour there so i was out processing all day and i worked nights and i was uh police one with my supervisor at the time and that was my third supervisor in my one year there and that's about right yeah (laughs) unfortunate man but he was a really cool guy actually and he was you know nicer than me than like nicer to me than he had to be since i uh only knew him for a short time and I wasn't going to know him for much longer, but he was a great soup. And, uh, we were driving around base and I fell asleep, which is something I made a point not to do, but this guy drove around for like five or six hours straight just so I could, uh, get rest since I was out processing all day and stuff like that. So I went home and, uh, I hadn't ordered that stuff yet. So I just go through my cart and like add a second pocket knife, one mm-hmm. for him. And uh, that was my first bench made. And then whenever we were in Germany, um, I was put in charge of... Well, I wasn't necessarily put in charge. I was put in the S4. Uh, I was put in the S4. And then all my bosses left. So I was like just de facto in charge. Was that just Tyler? This... No. Um... So whenever I first got moved over there, it was Sergeant Hernandez that was in charge oh, yeah. of that. And he got tasked with the deployment. So they moved Sergeant Cuffy over there. Cause Sergeant Cuffy was like, he worked in the UDM office. I don't remember what his exact title was. Cause I think Sergeant Ose was the actual UDM, but uh, they were in the same office. So then Sergeant Cuffy was over there, but then Sergeant Cuffy, he had, um he had some family stuff that, and it was also Christmas anyways. So he was going to go, actually to oklahoma because his last base was tinker so his family was at tinker so he was he came to oklahoma on leave for christmas and then he had some like family legal stuff he had to take care of so he ended up taking like a month of leave Mm -hmm. and um at the same time the civilian that worked back there who'd worked there for like 20 or 30 years strassa a really awesome guy um, he they made him take leave because you know as a contractor he got amazing benefits um paid vacation being one of them and he never took them because he didn't really have like, you know, much a of a life it? outside of work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that to be mean cause I don't either, but this dude was literally like 50 something year old German guy and he liked world of Warcraft. Um, and that's all he did on, in his off time, he would just play world of Warcraft, uh, for the most part. So it would just is much like the air force or a lot of jobs whenever he had too much leave accumulated, they either would make leaves, him. Buddy. Yeah, exactly. So they'd make him watch. Well, I think they might have to pay for it possibly. So they would make him take leave. So he was gone for like 45 days. So I was there with no supervision for a while. That's a
1: perfect storm.
0: Dude, it was a perfect storm. And I would have buddies of all ranks, by the way, not just my hood rat airman friends. There'd be sergeants come over and they'd be like, because the year prior there was a surplus in the budget. And um, whoever the NCO was, they ordered these extremely nice, like I think they're fixed blade benchmade knives. I mean, yeah, I mean, a few hundred dollars a pop, and they hid them from me in the office, and I was kind of like, well, yeah, fair enough, and I never went looking for them, mainly, if I'm being honest, just so I could have plausible deniability, like, uh, hey, I don't know where they are, but what would happen is people would come by the warehouse at random times when they knew nobody else would be there, and they'd be like, hey, worries, you know, let me get one of those Benchman knives, it's like, sorry, Sergeant. I couldn't even, if I wanted to, I don't know where they're at. And then they're like, um,
1: they yeah, are all right, bullshit, fair dude. enough. Yeah. No, dude.
0: they would tell me, they would tell me like, don't you have inventory to go do or something like that? So I'd go saw it off for like 30 minutes. And I'd come back and they'd be like, dude, you're the best. I'll see you next week. Um, so that's how that went. Uh, that happened a few times. And, um, one day outside of the S4, the vehicle section, which, I mean, I wasn't assigned there, but I went and helped them out a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, someone found on the ground, uh, this bench made knife, and they were talking about who deserved it, and I was like, re- I, th- I think there's an obvious uh, answer who deserves this <laughs> knife. Uh, so yeah, they gave it to me, and uh, even though it's not a new uh, and it's a cheaper knife than the ones that they may or may not have acquired on their own, it has sentimental value because they gave it to me. So no, sweet,
1: I feel it, dude. No, like I said, I still have the one that you gave me. I took these in. Uh, it was. Dude, I had people like try snagging it off me at my next unit. They're like, hey man, like, do you want to trade? I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. I was at my next base, I was not a nice senior airman. I I made sure everyone knew. Like, don't fuck with my knife. No, it's 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 been my favorite knife and I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. But speaking of that S4 job, I there's an airman that uh I that actually kind of followed me through different careers to Tucson. Sweet. And he picked up a few Uh, interesting things out of supply that I was able to use. The airman will go unnamed, but it was a lot of fun, an absolute lot of fun. And well, he picked up a few. I asked if I could get one of them. He's like, nah, only got two.
0: Yep. Um, that was, that was a very interesting time for a lot, a lot, a lot of reasons, but actually you would appreciate this more than most people. Um, i i'm a fan of trolling um i have, i mean i really am and i have this like very kind of specific brand of humor and uh I, the, and i was kind of the thing is like i was i was kind of coming into my own that was kind of the first time it took me a few years of being in the military and before i was like comfortable uh even like showing my personality because I know that my sense of humor is not for everybody, but, uh, Mm. I did one of the funniest things that I think I've ever done. And well, you remember the Ramstein bazaar, we had this big, like Vietnam era tent that, you know, you're supposed to, you know, like a housing tent and you can fit 20 people in it or whatever. So, um, we had to go set it up for that which is logical since we were supply. So we get the tent over there and we're trying to set it up. And Sergeant Oase was about the only one that knew what we were doing. And we couldn't get it up. Or, er, well, we couldn't make it to stay up. what <laughs> <but>
1: he said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, DeKramer. Um, we,
0: we got it up, but we couldn't, you know, get it to stay up. And then he realized uh, that we only had half of it. We didn't have the stuff that kind of went like parallel. So we went back and we, you know, then we set it up pretty easily. Tell me so, that was not right,
1: standard cool. for him, though. That was a typical Oast thing to pull.
0: Is it? Oh my fucking god, dude! Absolutely. We can get into that. Whatever you're about to say. Well, uh, fast forward a couple of months, and um, what they—I don't know if you remember this—but um, you know, Colonel Slager, what he wanted to do was move the supply warehouse to Vogelway because, like, we were stationed at you know Vogelway uh, Capone barracks. What's the other? What's the third name? There's three names. Uh, Jesus, dude. Uh, Vogelway Capone. Uh, slash we'll think of it later perhaps god that's gonna mess with me anyway Bears. Bears. yeah Yeah. the army side yeah and then um you know where i worked where our supply warehouse was was on ramstein which is about 15 minutes down the road uh by way of the autobahn and um i just worked in this old airplane hangar that we had full of crap and it was a pretty big Mm -hmm. airplane hangar to be honest not like cargo plane big but um it was a double wide And he wanted to move all of our supplies so we could do, like, our initial gear issue, like, on the same base that our unit was, which makes sense. But he wanted to do it over there at the vehicle bay, like, wherever we did, like, combatives for, you know, phase one training.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. He
0: was like, dude, this is a difference of, like, thousands of square feet. And um, at the time, Senior uh, Barentine was in charge. And, um, you know, he just told him like, yeah, we'll make it happen. And then Strasse, the German guy, is like, dude, this is not going to happen. And Mm. I was like, yeah, I believe you. And he was like, none of these guys will tell him. And I was like, Yeah, And then uh, Sergeant Cuffy's like, yeah, man, this is not going to work. But he didn't want to tell the commander that. So he's like, basically just, you know, start. Your job is to move all this stuff over there. And whenever he realizes that it's not going to work, you know, he'll terminate it. And like, uh, you know, I don't think that was him like throwing shade at the commander necessarily. I think it's just because like his boss signed off on the plan. So he didn't want to like undercut his boss, which Mm. I mean, I don't blame him for one second. So, and all I had was the support van which is just like a literally a passenger van so i would load up like a couple of crates worth of stuff uh, in this warehouse like i said thousands of square feet and i would fit as many crates as i could in the back of a van and i would spend my days driving back and forth between volgaway and ramstein which was amazing got almost nothing done i did that for like four days and i got like i don't know 50 60 crates moved like and um Strassa, the civilian, he scheduled a meeting with the commander and told him like, Hey, you know, actually people have tried this before. I understand what you're doing. And he's like, it won't work. It will not even close to work. The commander was very cool. Thanked him for his honesty and was like, yeah, you know, that was a bad idea. We're not going to do that. So then I got to bring all that stuff back, which was just an amazing week of work for me. Absolutely amazing. I missed that. But anyways, so while, sorry, I got ahead of myself because I thought that situation was funny while it was my job to before it was my job even to transport this stuff whenever sergeant cuffy was going on leave he told me what he wanted me to do was we reorganize the warehouse he wanted me to separate things like stuff that's going to get dermode which just means like donated to Mm -hmm. it's you know going to get pawned you know sold at auction for for like military surplus um and then stuff that's going to get transported over to Volgaway to the new site. And then there was a third option. I don't remember what it was, but, um, I got all my friends together. Most of them were on, most of them were kicked off flight like me. So they didn't have anything better to do. And, um, uh, I told them like, Hey, you know, what's going to be hilarious. We need to put that tin up in the front, like in front of the warehouse. And they're like, how's that funny? And I was like, because people are going to come and they're going to be like, where he's, why is this tin up? And they're like, yeah, but why is that funny? And I was like, it's just, you know, because it is just never let them know your next move kind of thinking is literally how it worked. And, uh, so at first they didn't want to, but I talked them into it. So we set the 10 up and it was actually very easy that time since we had just done it before. And I remembered all that. So they I'm sure you all, had
1: all the pieces this time.
0: Yes. And yep, the whole yep. time they were like, man, this is stupid. And what I did is I put stuff in there that, um, was going to get, I think just trashed, not even uh dermode. So my reasoning was this is stuff that um, it doesn't matter if it gets stolen, but at the same time, I'm not going to be so careless as an airman just to leave it out in the elements and let it get destroyed. Mm. So we had a tent out there and I loaded it with like old patrol bikes. There were some couches, there were some Vietnam era cots, things of this nature. And sure enough, it took like a week, but people started coming for their initial gear issue. I think even the commander came down at one point and, you know, I'd see people would be like looking at the tent. They'd look at me and then they'd look at the tent and most people didn't say anything. And one time I had a, uh, a, Sergeant ask me like, Hey, what's up with the tent? And I explained the situation to him. And he was just looking at me like, is this guy serious? Is he messing with me? And I just <laughs> kept a straight face. And I'm not going to talk first. So he just kind of shook his head a little bit and turned around and walked off. And that's the only thing that ever happened. But yeah, I thought that was the funniest prank I had ever pulled off was I erected this tent and filled it full of stuff. Uh, For no no, apparent reason. Oh, for (laughs) no no apparent reason, no hidden reason. It was just a troll. It was just my (laughs) practicing trolling. Oh man, that's good. It was a special place, man. It's special for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, we could talk about it forever. You have Donors, uh, Schwings. Dude,
1: um, Dude, Schwings is underrated, dude. Like, so many people would go off, sorry, like, cuisine, you gotta go out to, you gotta fly all over the world, but they wouldn't experience, like, the places, like, right outside their base. mm -hmm. Schwings was one of the greatest, like, if you will, American cuisine foods that would make me feel like I was home without, I don't know, like, being close to home. Mm-hmm. Oh like dude, a, I like a little homesick cure for 10 minutes. Oh, shit was amazing.
0: Swings blew anything in my hometown out of the water, so I oh, can't absolutely. relate to you there. For me, um and actually that's something I was thinking of earlier cuz we went uh with your madre, the Flying Pig. I don't remember that, that was, one. You do or don't? I do not. The barbecue place on Ramston?
1: Oh yeah.
0: I get was- I'd forgotten about that. Oh, bro! I, I never forget a meal. Um, they had legit barbecue. I mean, not the best you've ever had, probably, mm-hmm. but really good uh, for the circumstances. And one of the better things about it is they had sweet tea. Um, they did. So it wasn't that it, bad. No, yeah, it was really good too. So I love going to the Flying Pig. One time, I talked um to people. I wanted to go. I didn't want to go clubbing or anything like that. I never did. I wanted to go to the flying pig and then I wanted to get moderately drunk on Dunkelweizen. Oh
1: my God, still so good.
0: The best thing I've ever drank in my entire life. That's my favorite beverage. Okay. I mean, I hand down.
1: The greatest in the world. But I mean, like, hey, different it's my favorite. Folks, boss.
0: But nobody liked my plan. Nobody's like, oh, so you just want to go eat barbecue and then get very buzzed and then just do whatever. I was like, yeah. And they're like, no. But like, so a lot of people just flat, flat out told me no. But I found two that are like, well, I want to turn up. I want to go clubbing. And it was uh, Huxhold and Bradley. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I all Huxle, right, so, dude, good dude. Uh, good dude. He's kind of living his best life as a reservist. Loadmaster. So you know what that means. He gets the coolest Facebook pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, no contest. But yeah, Huxfield, very good dude. And I talked them into going with me. Basically kind of just like shystered to them. Uh, I just needed the DD. Um, so I ended. we ended up going to the Flying Pig. And then we went to the Enlisted Club because they had Dunkelweizen. But I think um, mm-hmm. the Enlisted Club, they were having some sort of event. So they wouldn't even let us in like the casino part. And we went somewhere else, and the the plan kind of fell apart. But I did, I do remember. I, d- I don't remember what I ended up drinking that night, but I did get the Flying Pig, and then I did get some very good beer. So uh, I was not disappointed. And something else I thought of earlier: the brand new dorms at Vogelway. They got. I'm not going to say trashed, but they did get abused uh, very, very quickly.
1: Uh, what? What was expected? on a whole unit of cops.
0: I saw something. Maybe you can, maybe you remember where it was at. It was at one of the Florida bases, which I can't keep straight for the life of me Mm-mm. because what is it? Tyndall, Patrick, Herbert, Hurley. I didn't know Tyndall course. doesn't really exist as much as it used to. anymore. Really? March, oh. I think is in Florida. It might be.
1: I, I just know, uh, I've got a good friend who, uh, got stationed at DM yeah. because he was, and it got wrecked by that hurricane. Oh, wow. Back. Yeah, it gotcha. like absolutely destroyed. They uh, they actually sent him on. Uh, crap, dude, what's that leave wreck? Does it count against you? Was, oh, non-chargeable. There we go. A little autistic. Sure. Yes, just sent him back to his uh, home, home of residence mm-hmm. back in Texas. And he was there for like three, four months, like in the military. But they got nowhere to put him. His base is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Then they're like, uh, fuck it. Uh, Davis Montham, go. See you later. So they just sent him off there, and that's where
0: I met him. But no, Tyndall didn't got fucked up, dude. Interesting um but one of those they have they're starting to build these ginormous dorms and it was just talking i mean it looks like something from you know they're living in 2030 and it talks about they like they don't have they, i mean they do have day rooms but their day rooms are on a whole other level they have like laundry rooms on every floor and their day rooms are like legit as hell i think they have like a few gyms inside this thing holy it's, shit it's basically it's the size of many air force dorms and i can't remember the way that it was getting laid out, I think like an entire wing is going to be in there or something kind of weird like that. It was really interesting. And it looked like I said, looks like uh, they're living in 2030, uh, would be a fantastic place to go. But in most cases, you don't want to live in the new barracks because that's where they're doing like GI parties and room inspections every single week. Yeah. But at Vogelway, it was kind of, I mean, like I said, you're right. And what do you expect? But at the same time, like if I was the supervisor of any of those people, I would have been pretty pissed. The funniest instance of that was our buddy Holmes. Um, And bless him. I want to go on record and say, because I've told some people this, I didn't recognize it immediately, but looking back, Holmes acted a hell of a lot like I did as a brand new airman. Really? So, um, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, gave Holmes a hard time. However, um, it, it was, I, I saw myself in him and not like, not good parts of myself either. No offense to him. I'm just saying I understand him to a good degree. And especially mm-hmm. in this, the, but that one time I think we had gone to the water park that day. Cause that the water park nearby was pretty legit. We always had a great time there. Um, but Holmes had stayed in the dorms. He didn't want, he did not accept our invitation because he wanted to go drinking with some of our other flight members in the dorms. And um, he did. And I think they kicked him out of their room. We got like a Snapchat from them of him, like passed out on the, their floor and they're like yelling at him. And then like five minutes later, we get another snap of him low crawling out of there. And then uh, I was at Thompson's apartment on base and uh, we dropped Lebinski and Huxhold off. And uh, they, They walk into the dorm, they push the button for the elevator and the elevator opens and Holmes is passed out in the (laughs) elevator Um, blood all over the walls of the elevator. Or so it seems. Exactly. So, <laughs> and uh, we'd been out having a good time, so they were—they didn't want to drive to the SFS squadron. Which, I mean, I yeah. don't blame I mean, them. That's honestly a good idea. So they ran down there, got the flight chief, like, "Oh, you know, medical emergency." So they came, and it was just wine. Holmes drank two bottles of wine, passed out in the elevator, and, uh th- you know. Projectile vomited all over that, and um, people. Oh, I mean, not even people. Me, I'm people. I have similar stories in Greenland, so I'm not judging him at all. It's unfortunate. They
1: permanently locked the elevator down because of him. Permanently, dude. Like we weren't allowed to. Like, it never opened. They didn't let us use it at all anymore.
0: I, I, I want to. well dude. Okay, maybe. Do you know? How are you sure? Never was huh? because you got whenever you got deployed. Um, I was, I got moved into the dorms and th- the elevator worked. So you weren't there at the time you were, mm. cause we were hardly ever in the dorms together. You're in Turkey, but whenever you got back from Turkey, do you remember being able to use the elevator? I don't know. I remember having to drag my bags up the fucking stairs. Tell you that much. Damn. I'm trying to think because like, like I said, I, uh, I, I wasn't I was in the dorms. Four, dude. I think I was third. Dude. I, I remember the way that it place smells. That was, uh, that was Nice. I miss living in dorms like that. See, now that I'm out, dude, I had a great
1: time, dude. Like, I did so many shrooms in the dorms.
0: No shit. Dude, oh, absolutely. Really?
1: Dude, Lubinsky, Strickland and I would trip balls constantly.
0: That's very cool. Um, But I didn't – I thought Lubinsky was not good at sneaking shrooms is why I'm surprised. Oh, no, that's just when he got caught. That was just the one time he got caught, you're saying? Yeah, and even got then, so it.
1: like when he got pulled over – um. Right at the border of Germany, Uh, we were—I don't know—few a clicks back, Mm -hmm. like my wife and I, and we had just as much as they did on them. But they were dumb enough to leave their backpack open for Mm -hmm. a plain view search to see them. Yeah, ours were hidden well under our seats in backpacks and such. So they pulled us over. They did a uh, plain view search. Not shit. They're like, "All right, guys, drive safe. What do you guys uh, like? Don't do anything stupid." We're like, "Absolutely, officer. See ya."
0: Why'd they pull you over? Were they running some sort of checkpoint?
1: No, it's just uh, a cop car behind us, pulled in front of us, and then like on—I don't know if you remember—like uh, the back of their light bars. It says like "Please follow me" in German. I don't remember that, but I do believe you. Yeah, so like uh, we pulled over to like a little rest stop that was like a maybe kilometer two. We're, like this is the weirdest thing. What the hell is this? Mm-hmm. And uh cop gets out, and it—he's like, "Hey, you know," he's talking to me. I'm like, "I'm like no uh, English, you know, no sprechende Deutsch, and nothing, nothing." He's like, license. I'm like, oh, shit. Here you go, dude. He's like, American license. All right. Here you go, dude. Knock yourself out. While his other buddies going around with a flashlight. For the day, dude. Yeah. Trying to see stuff. I'm like, yep. said, so, do you want me to open doors? Like I'm being super compliant, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. Don't. I'm like, like, he was adamant. Do not open your doors. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. cool. He's like, what were you guys doing in the uh, Netherlands? We're like, visiting. <laughs> like, we're Americans.
0: We wanted to see the river.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's like, okay see ya drive safe like yeah. all right boss peace whereas Labinsky, like they plane view search got him.
0: damn man um i've i've not tried shrooms uh i'm a little bit scared to um but that is something that i think is on my list so i'm jealous uh that you got to do that in like a really beautiful place and have a lot of fun and get away with it they i mean military doesn't drug test for it well, can't I've, I've heard weird things about that it's a hard one to test for isn't it yeah exactly so like this is just
1: uh hearsay i, I can't say i've done too much research into it i just know i got lucky enough to not get caught i guess mm-hmm. so we'll say rumor has it like you you've got to like test someone as they're tripping using a certain test for psilocybin oh
0: I've, and i heard like testing for food poisoning
1: yeah i've, I've so, I mean, it, it'd be super hard if you were to run your your regular battery of uh, like your analysis tests, you won't catch it.
0: Totally. Oh, dude, check this out! <laughs> uh we got a hockey player. Oh uh, no! Yeah.
1: I t- well, I got to be honest with this kid. I I don't know what the hell he's talking about, dude.
0: Uh, who's is Dino or Dino? That's Donofsky, dude. No, I know that, but he was saying as. The, yeah, assuming the, oh, you, yeah. oh i got you so you don't remember, I do the not particular remember. Story? Damn. no uh
1: <laughs> as unfortunate as it is uh germany for a, like a lot of those certain stories uh they blend together dude sure man you know and i hi donovsky it's been a while um sorry i don't remember uh, <laughs> uh yeah good times i i'm assuming
0: man, let's and I mean you know, let's start over for a little bit. Uh, what was your growing up like? because because ah, there's some interesting stuff. Number one, I wanted uh, you to tell everybody about your family because that is interesting. And uh, number two, you had like a super, super, super close knit uh, group of friends. It seems like uh, I actually kind of enjoy uh, watching you guys talk and tell stories and stuff because you guys uh, have like a legit little friends group going on.
1: Oh, my God. Donofsky's still going off. <laughs> <laughs> Things yeah. goes on. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm one of 12 kids. Uh, I'm the oldest of the 12. Uh, that's I got 10 biological, two adopted. Uh, and we're all directly related. Like, there's no stepkids or, you know, step parents. No, like, we're all the same mom and dad. Uh, grew up. Us being like scattered all across the U.S. from California to North Carolina. But a majority of my siblings were born in North Carolina. Uh, yeah, and the friends group you're talking about, I'm still honestly best friends with them. But we play games all the time. We just actually restarted our Minecraft server. I haven't been able to hop back on it because of my Internet. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, pretty crazy growing up. Not a, yeah, a lot of different stories
0: from that, dude. Uh, fantastic, man. And I remember, were you in J-Rotzy? Absolutely not. Oh, uh, well, you, cause you were, you were planning on, what was it? Just the Marine Corps Dep? Cause I remember there was something with the Marines.
1: Yeah. So I was originally going to join the Marines cause, uh, my absolute best friends who, uh, was influenced by his dad to join the Marines. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yo, dude, like you got to join the military." I'm like, "No, of course I'm going to." Like uh, for me it was like I was going to I was, was going to go to the army from like time I was like 10 years old. He's like, mm-hmm. "Nah, you got to go Marines because like they're the best, blah blah blah, rah, rah, fucking crayons." Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, dude, that sounds like the best thing I've ever heard of." So I hopped in their depth the day I turned 17. Like that's my mm-hmm. gift. Like my parents took me down to the recruit I absolutely knocked them, like let's send this kid away. And just the whole process was just a pain in the ass, dude. Like they were so goddamn picky. Really? Uh, I had, yeah, I had a non-cancerous like, when I was like eight, nine years old, whatever mm-hmm. off my back, got them all the paperwork for it. They're like, all right, we should... uh, graduation is coming up from high school. And like when am... I, I'm, I want to leave. Like, I don't want to be stuck in little podunk North Carolina anymore. Mm-hmm. Like just waiting, just waiting a week. Eventually I'm like, fuck it, dude. Uh, I spoke to my grandfather, who was uh, Air Force veteran. Started out enlisted during the Vietnam War, Commission, and eventually ended up separating uh, after 37 years of service as a colonel. So he's like, "Sam, what are you looking for in the Marines? Are you just looking for like the title of a Marine and to be a, he's like, or do you want to do something good with your life and join the Air Force?" I'm like, "Well, s- sounding like a badass is kind of cool. Like he's talking to like a 17, 18 year old kid, he's mm-hmm. like don't be someone's bitch." And mind you, this man is a lawyer. He doesn't cuss unless he knows it's going to get the point across. Like, he's someone's bitch. He's like, that's what's going to happen to join the Marines. Got back home. Like, Actually, oddly enough, he he, he lived here, Arizona. Right. Yeah, which is like right where I actually got stationed for my second station. Walked across the hall to the Air Force office. I'm like, what do I got to do to get out of here in four weeks? He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want EOD. He's like, all right, if you can't get EOD, what, what do you want? I'm like, who deploys? Like, Security forces. Put, so I made that my number one because I didn't get EOD for uh, depth reception. And uh, Air Force is able to get that waiver done literally same day. He emailed his commander or whatever. He's like, yeah, just fill that security forces slot. Mm-hmm. Wow. 2015 can suck it. <laughs> Yeah, th- sorry, there's a whole story that just went off. But uh, yeah, fuck the Marine debt back in 2015.
0: Yeah, well, what did you think of basic training?
1: I don't know, dude. Like, looking back, I'd do it again. Cause, I mean, it's it was honestly, even then, like a piece of cake. And I can only imagine now. I mean, they don't have web belts anymore. Oh, do they not? Dude, no, they, they use black backpacks. Oh, yeah. okay. They look yeah. like tech schoolers. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 you didn't earn that. Go back, put that web belt on. But no, I guess from what I've heard, like they took away the web belts because uh, kids were like attempting to hang themselves or threatening to hang themselves with web belts. Mm. Using one web belt, you deserve it. You wanted it. Knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. No kidding. Man. Yeah, well, I did not think it was maybe. a piece of cake ever. Um, I had a lot of like, kind of like, if you'd have asked me a couple months after. Basic training. If I'd go back, I'd probably say like, no, never. Like, you'd have to pay me so much extra money. But yeah, now looking back at it, um, again, I didn't think it was easy at the time. But looking back on it, I think it would be hilarious. Basic training is like got to be the funniest environment in the entire world. Um, you just can't see it when you're too close to it.
1: Mm-hmm. No, uh, I think that meme that I think honestly you and I have both seen. Basic training was the funniest place you couldn't laugh. Like at one hundred percent. I still talk to some of those guys, like every now and again, for my basic training when they pop up. Um, But no, like that's probably like the closest you'll ever be with a group of guys. Sorry, that joke went way over one's head. Sorry, that 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 was funny as fuck. No, say (laughs) that again. I think you cut out for a second. (laughs) I said, uh, I don't think you'll ever be uh, that close with a group of guys because I can honestly say since basic training, I never saw
0: a dick. I didn't want to after that. Well, um, no, that's, <laughs> but that's a good way of looking at it. That's a good positive spin. Hold on one second. Hey, yeah, you bet.
1: young boy, what are you doing in here? Ow. Wife comes in and abuses me, dude. Yeah, bye. This was waiting on. But what about for you, dude? Like, what was your basic training? Because you went through what in fourteen, or thirteen? No, thirteen.
0: Yeah. yeah, The summer of thirteen. It was um. It was interesting, man. One of the things that I didn't realize until like months after basic training, I was well. There's a lot of things I didn't realize. Basic training is a hilarious place for a lot of reasons, and I can't. Uh, we don't have time to go into all the stories, but like for example. I didn't, I, you know, I think I was halfway through my first base. So this is like a year later, I kind of realized like, Hey, it's really weird that we had to clean all the time, but we didn't have any like brooms or mops. And that never occurred to me in basic training. We had two by fours of various lengths and a lot of rags that would get washed multiple times a day. And we would wrap the two by fours in rags and we had different length, two by fours for everything. Some of them you could pick up and wipe stuff with. Some of them were so long. You literally just put your uh, arms on top of it and low crawled across the floor over it. Um. Yeah, we didn't have brooms or mops, and the way we would clean the bathroom, and this is something that's crazy too. Our M.T.I. would come running out of the bathroom, and he'd be like, "Why is there hair in my bathroom floor? Like, whose hair is this? Who's supposed to clean this?" And as soon as he would come out of the bathroom like this, there'd be ten people just sprinting in the bathroom, and uh, uh you know, I would I would almost bet you money there was never a hair, Whoa.
1: dude. I can I almost guarantee you. Years and six days removed from basic training mm-hmm. and it i'm just now realizing that yeah where the fuck were our mops
0: <laughs> no mops no mops no um brooms but we did have baby oil for the chrome were you in the new dorms or the old yeah, ones yeah i was in disneyland did they have chrome thresholds
1: no uh if i remember correctly oh well, yeah it was just chrome
0: thresholds yeah just like a Just chrome like on the floor of like the bay openings? It was like an eggshell colored paint, like
1: not yellow, but not white. Mm. Like probably whatever the cheapest paint you could get. Yeah. Matte color that didn't stain, but you could like mark up if you rubbed something
0: wrong against it. Yeah. Well, when you say Disneyland, by the way, do you mean you're actually in the three twenty third, or you just mean you're in the three twenty third? gotcha man yeah i remember a lot of the basic training flights uh or squadrons anyways um i was in the 320th um which is one of there's two battlefield squadrons so whenever you graduate basic training you get a tab and you get a special ribbon and you get a decoration for being a battlefield airman uh so that was really cool i'm glad i got to do that but uh, it was the old dorms and uh the, yeah like the way we would clean the bathroom floor and again we were constantly looking for hair which is just doubly ridiculous because number one like i said he just came running out like why is there hair on my bathroom floor and people would just sprint in there and number two we all had shaved heads like uh there's not a lot of places a hair could come from but uh we would go and we would take our flashlights our lackland lasers and we oh, would yeah. turn the bathroom lights off and you put the flashlight down and you get down and look and if there was you know there's that beam of light and you know, that's the only way you could check for hairs on the ground. And if, God forbid, we ever found one, we use our lint rollers to clean that. That's uh, not accurate.
1: Dude, yeah, crazy times. Crazy times. I pissed at the condition of my blues right now. <laughs> they're in the garage. In the garage? Yeah. They're like, oh man. oh, man, they must be in, like, in a suit bag. Nah, dude, they're just, they're, just, they're just hanging on a rack in the garage off the ground so mice can't get them. But uh, nonetheless, uh, they're not clean, unfortunately.
0: My best friend growing up, um, he was also in the Air Force, and he was about six months behind me. He entered the debt before me because he's older, but he had gallbladder surgery our senior year of high mm. school. So that really did uh, mess up his uh, entrance time. But actually, one of my when I was in tech school, he was in basic training, which, as you know, is the same base. And mm. I was a chapel guide. So I told him before he went to basic training, hey, dude, <laughs> if there's ever a time you want to see me, I will be here every single Sunday all day you know, just find your way to the Catholic service. You don't even have to go to church there if you don't want to, but that's where I'll be. So I got to see my best friend growing up as a sneaker weaker in basic training.
1: Oh my God.
0: He was too scared to talk to me, which I'm not, which is fair. I mean, I I was
1: too scared to talk to anybody in basic training.
0: Of course. But like, he's like six foot four and he was literally like trying to hide behind a bush. And, you know, he had a completely bald head and, you know, a fucking you know abus with bloused to his tennis shoes so it, i mean yeah that's a priceless memory but there was that uh oh weird t- oh so when he was in basic training man this guy is so ridiculous his basic training flight had this thing they called the dark stall they had a stall in the latrine that was dedicated just to to shit. pleasure no 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 oh
1: no. oh oh no i'm tracking now just for pleasuring themselves yeah which just okay. for the mcdank secret sauce i see dude
0: they had a schedule they had a schedule everybody got 15 minutes in the dark stall a day and i say 15 you need minutes, a 15 so minutes
1: dude if well, i had the wrong thought i could skeege
0: <laughs> oh my god for me it was the other way around it was incredibly hard um, and you hear all the rumors like oh they put stuff in the eggs or it's in one of the vaccines uh, it was a challenge but uh, th- so they had assigned times they had a roster that was written down on a schedule so you basically had a dark stall monitor and this was all overnight this was from lights out in the morning there's like you know just a constant the EC's would come and wake you up like hey it's your 15 minutes so you go to the bathroom and <laughs> they called it the- I love it dude Dude, and, and and actually so like what I was talking about with the Chrome uh, my buddy was the Chrome monitor. So he was authorized. He got to go to the little shop and buy baby oil every week for polishing the chrome. So he would just, you know, post it up. And yeah, the ECs would have access to the schedule. So they'd go check the schedule. Like, okay, I got to go wake Lewis up. It's his turn. And uh, he said in the latrine, there was literally like a fluorescent light bulb that was out. So this stall literally was like the stall at Mm -hmm. the end of the latrine, no light above it. And yeah, man. So not only did they have a dedicated stall for this, which sounds hilarious, but makes sense. They had a schedule. They had a monitor. And I told them, you know, some sick individual waited their entire life to make that schedule.
1: No, oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> when I grow up, I'm going to tell my friends when they can touch themselves. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's confused, like, yes, that is a weird thing. I'm never going to say that it's not a weird thing. But in basic that training.
1: Guy, that guy got out and became a porn director.
0: Or a politician. Potato, potato, right? Man, don't don't treat porn directors like that. That's not cool. That's true. That's true. They deserve, they deserve more respect. But we only, we had like one, I think all the urinals were pretty much free use for, you know, like taking a piss. But basically we would only allow people to crap in like, I think it was one toilet because the that way you don't have to clean, you mm-hmm. know, five toilets a day as regularly. So, I mean, that, that entire thing makes sense. And, of course, you're being programmed to, like, want, like, all this structure and all this stuff. So, like, that entire process of, like, hey, we need an incognito place to pleasure ourselves. And we need, you know, we can't fight over it. We can't make mm-hmm. a mess, blah, 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 blah. While it sounds crazy, and it is crazy, it also makes perfect sense.
1: No, it absolutely does. And, like, kind of speaking on this topic, that's, like, this thing is, like, the is like the one fight I got into kind of in basic training mm-hmm. with another kid it was like during one of like, terms, like our poop times mm-hmm. right because like all right so it's a sunday like we, we all we're all trying to like either touch ourselves or take like a long ass shit and yeah. dude i had to shit like i've been holding this one probably a day or two you know because you know for the first what week or two like you can't shit and absolutely can, dude then you start from like these mm. massive submarines dude i had to go nature was knocking and if i didn't answer they're gonna walk right on out mm. so i'm going to the only available stall like i'm, I'm knocking I'm like, I'm like come on dude come on dude if you don't i'm gonna shit my my, my tidy whities come on dude mm-hmm. he's like fine 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 so like he, he he he's like slams the door open and he just comes out and like he's looks like he's tucking his shirt in to like mm. his abus i thought nothing of it right mm-hmm. until i go and I always look in the toilet before I sit down mm-hmm. because the, if someone else has already shit in it and hasn't flushed, like, no, I, I need a, I need a fresh water.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I do toilet. the same thing, but I'm afraid of like, there might be a Python in there or something. So
1: yeah, no, that absolutely. But like I can't use a dirty toilet. It's just mm. a personal thing. I look in there and uh, there's no shit and there's no piss, but the toilet is dirty, right? Dude just left a splooge all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I flushed. I shit, because priorities, wiped, and, I dude, I ran out storming. I'm like, dude, you couldn't fucking flush their automatic toilets. Like, you couldn't just, like, just stand there for a second to, like, wave your hand in front of, like, the little mirror or press the button on the side? He's like, dude, and here's the thing that got me, right? He's like, it was, me. It was someone else. Really, so you're telling me this toilet went through three different people, and the person before you is the one who maybe, like, just nut all over? Dude, shotgun blast all over the toilet, like. It had been weeks for like this guy's little fucking nutsack to develop this shit. It was disgusting, <laughs> and he had the balls—no pun intended—to tell me it wasn't him. Shut the <laughs> fuck up, dude!
0: Oh, oh my sure. god! I was
1: so pissed. I was gonna beat his ass.
0: Well, I, I never had a moment like that. There were times, I think I was always on the pooping end where, like I said, there was only, I think there was one toilet that you were officially allowed to poop in. And if there was a long line and you're like, dude, I'm about to crap my pants. I'm just going to go to this other toilet. There would be like five people in line, like over my dead body. You're not going to crap mm. in that toilet. We have one poop toilet. And, uh, so that's pretty, that's pretty brutal. Um, I mean, basically, I mean, basically training was pretty cool. I didn't, uh, I didn't. I couldn't find the cereal until like the fourth week of training. Mm. Um, because there's a very specific way you have to get cereal and yeah, man, I just didn't figure it out. Uh, I was always, I would see people eating cereal. And I'd be like, how the hell do they have cereal? Cause, uh, again, if anybody doesn't know, although most of you certainly do, you know, you put your hands on your tray and, uh, one of the biggest things is you just have to look directly forward. You're not allowed to move your head at all. And you just go down the little, golden corral buffet line. And then, you know, if you need to get something, you stop and you get it and uh, put it on your tray. Then you place the palms of your hand back on your tray and you proceed to scoot down. You know, you get your drinks on the tray, hands on the tray, so on and so forth. There are constantly MTIs behind you to make sure you're not, you know, doing anything crazy like looking around. So, you know, my head was not on a swivel. My head was pointed directly ahead the entire time. So I didn't understand where people were getting the cereal, but it's like an Easter egg in a video game is what it's like. You're cruising along. And by the time you get to the end of the salad bar, which I mean is where they have like the cold yogurt and all this other stuff. You just stop, you do an about face and you're facing the cereal. It's just in like a completely alternate dimension. Then if you just like, you know, reach beside you, here's the bowls, dispense the cereal, hold the bowl with two hands, you know, do another about face and then you're back at, you know, where you left it. But it took me uh, about four weeks to be able to tactically scope the place out and see somebody do that.
1: See, what didn't make sense for me when it comes to the serial stuff, right? So we didn't have to do any about faces like that. We followed, like... Because uh, we shared chow halls with ASINT, uh training squadron, right? Mm-hmm. So we shared, like, a study room and a, and a DFAC and all that stuff. So you walk in, do your facing movements and all that shit, whatever. Uh, get your main food, then the salad bar, drinks... And then there'd be like a cereal thing, like, like a like a little rotator, like a hotel type thing. Mm-hmm. But the bowls, if I'm remembering correctly, was after the cereal. So that I'm like, okay, how do I get the cereal mm-hmm. how do you into get the, the cereal? bowl without going backwards in line? Mm-hmm. Granted, like it wasn't too far, it was just like an arm reach, but you like you know, like you reach too far out of line, literally, you're gonna bite your head off. You'll have a shark attack. You're done, you're toasted, mm-hmm. chum in the water. Eventually, I just started realizing like uh, if I want the cereal bad, enough, I'm a, I'm gonna have to reach, so I did, and I realized that you know this actually wasn't that bad. Watch a few kids get their heads bit off because they reached too early, or like they reached back, like they would get the cereal and then they would reach or get the bowl, then reach back for the cereal. Sure. Dude, it, they purposely set it up like that so it would be difficult to get. And I understand. Uh, that Crave is some of the best cereal of my fucking life, though, I'll tell you what.
0: Man, I watched, I mean, because we grew up in a generation. I watched YouTube videos for months before I went to basic training. So I knew what every minute of my life was about to be like. And mm-hmm. uh, the guy whose YouTube videos I watched, his name's Kyle Gott.
1: Oh, yeah. Same thing,
0: dude. Oh, uh, So he told me that every meal he ate uh, yogurt and peanut butter. So I was like, all right, that sounds pretty good. And the first day I found yogurt and I found the peanut butter and the peanut butter was dope because like, I never got pancakes or waffles or whatever they had because all they had was sugar-free syrup. And I was like, that's a hard pass, but they had legitimate peanut butter, peanut butter. And the yogurt was Borden. I remember that. Um, I didn't write letters home to my family in basic training. I did one and I feel bad because they all like wanted letters from me and they wrote me every single day. But the thing is you had to march your letter to the mailbox yourself Mm -hmm. to mail it. And it was a few blocks away and uh, it's not the walk. That's the problem. It's just, that's a lot of opportunity to get yelled at. Oh Um, yeah, dude. And I mean, everything looks identical. So God forbid you go, you mail this letter. You're oh, I can't wait for my family to hear from me. You get back home and you realize, you know, same, it's like the Twilight Zone. You're in your home, but it's not your home. Uh, anyway, so dorm. I only <laughs> I only did that once. <laughs> and but what I I only wrote one letter home. And sorry, and in that letter, basically. Uh, all I said was, yeah, everything's fine. See you guys in a couple of weeks. And I asked my mom if she would like Elsie the Cow on Facebook because that's what it said on the back of the yogurt thing. It was like, oh, be sure to like Elsie the Cow on Facebook. So that was kind of just in my head because uh, that's the only thing I saw every meal every day for a couple of weeks was like Elsie the Cow on Facebook. So I only wrote one letter home and that was basically the extent of it. So while we're on the topic of Air Force.
1: Air Force. Do you, yeah, do you follow any like the the updated Air Force news by chance?
0: Um so obviously I follow Air Force Airmen NCO senior NCO.
1: Fantastic. Then, That's all yeah. we got to know.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: Have you seen all the outrage about the tech results?
0: Oh yeah, of course, man.
1: So my buddy uh uh Staff Sergeant Brunner Fantastic guy, honestly, one of my best friends shares this little thing from the Airmen and COP for the promotion for the promotions out of our trusty loved three POX one. There were twenty staff sergeants for tech. How many? Twenty four hundred. Okay. How many were selected? Eighteen. It's a good guess. Uh, you're wrong. Come on, strike two. Hit, what's your what's your hit me with your second guess? One hundred and twenty one. Oh man! <laughs> Strike two. Come on, you got one more pitch. Let's go. Fifty four. Oh man! Fantastic guesses. All very very low, but unfortunately, sir, you are wrong. Two zero two were selected for a percentage rate of zero point one percent.
0: Holy crap! Two
1: were selected out of twenty four hundred out of security forces.
0: Wow, dude!
1: God damn, dude!
0: Let me – because, I mean, you were in sorry, Danofsky, for – Sorry,
1: if you're still listening.
0: <laughs> oh, was
1: it him? Oh. I know. Damn. I'm pretty sure he was eligible this year. So, if he missed it, I'm sorry, dude. Oh, my gosh. No, I think he, he might be six already. Congrats, dude.
0: Shit. That's uh, – yeah, I hope he did. Uh, and Uh That's wild, man. Let me see if I got this right because they change stuff all the time. I remember – people were always complaining about the time and grade time and service requirements mm. always. So th- is that the next step? They got rid of that. So where it's I like, have okay, no idea. It, Cause it's gone back and forth several times with, uh, enlisted Jesus with base bass. Like it keeps going back and forth. They honestly seem to, I mean, for something this important, it seems like they're changing it a little bit too much in my, uh, very not humble opinion. Um, but it's obviously come back to bite him in the ass. And one thing, there's so much stuff going around, and you know everybody gets bitchy around promotion time. Everybody gets bitchy mm -hmm. about everything. But um, I think it was Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force Bass. She shared a thing saying that like our enlisted force structure is supposed to look like a pyramid, and right now it's a muffin top. And that's you know, you have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Imagine, uh, you know, if you're a cop and You know, you've been in the air force for like six, seven years, but there's not enough airmen on flight. So you have like, uh, tech sergeants telling staff sergeants to go check IDs at the gate. Or, I mean, you know, you can imagine the same thing with every career field. Like I said, not enough or too many chiefs, not enough Indians you have basically people who are your peers the other day that are now your uh, superiors and they're making you do stuff that technically is, you know, several steps below your pay grade. So you just don't have the, you know, like the peons anymore, basically. And uh, you have people getting very disgruntled. This was a hard year for the military with um, vaccine mandates, which obviously it wasn't hard for everybody, but uh, it just seems like this year was uh, even without the mandates uh, COVID in general, Um, we've been losing people for a long time anyways, like, uh, things are not going any better for the military than they are for the rest of the world. So now on top of this, like a lot of people out
1: for a while too.
0: Um, yeah. Where they uh, would pay you to leave. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you know, they have quotas on like how many people they Mm -hmm. have to kick out every year and you have retention boards and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, morale is really bad on top of the, yeah, you can forget about making E6 for the next couple of years.
1: No, absolutely. And so I completely agree with uh, – but at the same time, we, the Air Force is created via this whole staff sergeant giveaway that they've been doing for almost my my literal entire career. Like mm-hmm. every, for the – geez, dude, six years in and every single time I saw a test come up, whether or not I was eligible or like just an E3, but seeing like my senior and get promoted – it was, it was a staff giveaway. Like, dude, mm-hmm. all you had to do is just write your name down and you may as well just call yourself staff select so-and-so, right? So you encourage this behavior or encourage this mindset of, if I just put my name in the hat, I'm going to fucking get it. Mm-hmm. So when there is a shit year like this where two are selected out, out of a career field, you've got all these entitled fucks, entitled staff are just like, well, I made staff on my first or second Yeah, dude. And what do they say about E6 and uh, – is it E6 and E8 or something like that? It's like the hardest ones to make.
0: The ones you actually earn, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, those are the hardest. What the fuck were you expecting, dude?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, it's... I fault everybody
1: if it, when it comes down.
0: I don't have an answer for it because number one, like, yeah, people shouldn't get, you know, if people are terrible at their job and they're not good people, they shouldn't get promoted just because they've been around. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. at the same time... I I don't know, man, because, you know, to be very honest with you, I never wanted to leave the e4 mafia and it's not for the memes it's just especially in security forces as soon as you get well i mean and this is not across the board but this is just what i saw i saw people who get picked up for staff sergeant and they immediately get an office job so that their supervisor can keep an eye on them uh while they're doing their cdcs they get sent off to Mm -hmm. seven level school they come back and they you know so i didn't want to get put in an office job i was kind of like terrified of that um the air force was kind of a different experience than I thought it was going to be as far as like me not deploying and doing stuff like that. But at the same time, I knew like I didn't want an office job because that's another thing that people bitch about too in our career field specifically is back office people promoting so much faster than people on flight it's true. and on, yeah, it's true. But then on the other hand, like, Hey, if this person is working like for the commander, basically they're walking in his office, having them stuff to sign, he's giving them tasks and they're doing them. So he sees this person performing well every day of the year you know, it would kind of be wrong if the commander could not promote them to like avoid there being any bias. So like, there's just a lot of things like, what can you do? So like with the promotion specifically, if they get rid of the time and grade time and service, you're just encouraging these fast burners, which again, always kind of blew my mind because in the military, it's pretty, it's extremely easy to a certain extent. They tell you, they define the parameters very clearly. If you want to get promoted, you do this. Everybody knows when you're in tech school, you become a rope. Yep. Um, if you're, if you don't have the rank to be like a green, yellow, red rope, you can be a white rope. You can be a black rope. You can be a teal rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can sort mail at the APO on your days off. Um, you know, you go to your first base, you have to have education for your education bullet. You have to, you know, probably want some EWQs. They just, they outline like, if you care at all. You know exactly what you have to do to make rank. And at certain ranks, it does get difficult. You know, they're not just handed the rank out. But I'm just saying, if that is your goal, and some people that is their goal, you ask them, like, what do you want to do in the Air Force? And, you know, some people are like, oh, I want to serve my country. I want to get qualified on this, you know, yeah. Mark 19 weapon system. I want to deploy. Some people are like, oh, I want to make star- Sergeant in three years. You know, I want to make BTZ in six months. And then I want to make Sergeant in three years. And I want to be a Master Sergeant, you know, by the time I've been in for seven years. And I never, like, understood those people. I never got along with those people uh personally and i'm sure there's some that are fucking phenomenal i'm sure there are just i didn't meet them and speaking of i wanted to show you something real quick uh-oh air force Hey-o. i like uh, it that's my friend will um and he was a white rope and that's a picture of him petting a llama for anybody that's not watching um but yeah what, you, what do you what do you think dude, about the promotion situation
1: uh honestly it's it's been fantastic I I know it sounds super weird and not exactly a direct answer to what you asked, but I can now look at it like, oh man, that that's fucked up. Um, now that I'm out and like staff results, tech results don't affect me. Mm-hmm. I do not like what they did with the whole staff giveaway. Um, that I would so I I was a career e4 as well. I I kind of follow in your footsteps to, to an extent. Um, got. Really comfortable with a lot of my senior NCOs and my higher up regular like techs and like old head uh, staff sergeants. Finally got put up for as an E4, which at uh, even Davis Monthly was still like a, a big thing, right? Like, nice. oh, wow, you, gotta, you yeah. got a senior airman role in this shit. And not just rolling, but like also I was putting. So it gave me a certain level of power as an E4 to tell some NCOs and sometimes even officers, like, Nah, dude, you got to get the fuck off my scene. Mm hmm. So looking at it, that, again, going towards your promotions, I was able to see, like, a lot of some of, like, even my troops come up. Like, hey, uh, you know, I was A1C so-and-so, and now I'm Staff Sergeant so-and-so because of promotion rates. Um, We're going to do this today. I'm like, no, dude, you're going to sit your ass down, and you're going to dispatch you. And so, like, because of a lot of that stuff, like I said, the sense of entitlement starting at the great staff giveaways. Mm-hmm. I think is what honestly killed the E4 Mafia. Not because they well made made sure there were no more E4s, but because they just gave that shit away, dude. Got rid of a lot of the military aspect of making people work for the rank as opposed to throw your name in a hat, you got it.
0: Yeah, and you know, our career field was really weird because I was I only worked flight the entire time. Well, I mean, until I got like DNR'd. So I never had an office job, but it's really big. I mean, so you have like people, there's a lot of desk jobs, actually. A lot, a lot, a lot. And then mm-hmm. you have like additional duties. And they can make some up for you, too. They can make some up for you. So it's like... Police services, made up made up as fuck, dude. What, what's
1: that one? Oh, glad you asked. Those are the guys that will go like put cones out. Yes. To like, no, like, they like, oh, hey, this road's closed. Hey, send a cop. Police services or like a, the automated, hey, you're going this speed. Police services. No, it's a bullshit made-up back-office job. I think
0: I I think I think remember that. Did they have that at Vogelway? I don't fucking know, dude. I remember hearing about it, but I mean, like, the Security Forces career field is so weird because, for example, like, and I, this, Vogelway is the only time I really dealt with it because Vogelway was the only base I was at where I was allowed to drive a POV. So, like, whenever, if you're at Ramston or Vogelway or a, a bunch of Army bases around there, too, I imagine, you have to go register your car on base. Mm-hmm. And it's cops that are doing that. Which, I mean, I guess, like, maybe to a civilian, that makes sense. To someone in the military, it's like, you know, you go through tech school, and you get out, and you realize that there's, like, staff sergeants in your unit, and their job is to, like, give out license plates. Like, what? What is Mm -hmm. that? And then, like, you know, you have, like, a vehicle section. And just, this is a funny story. I don't know if I told you. You remember, like, the S functions, right? That's something security forces has. Mm -hmm. That's standard in the Army and maybe the Marines. Like, every unit's like that. It is. As far as I'm Um, aware. When I was in Korea, um, I was checking gates or I was checking IDs at the gate and, uh, these two soldiers came on base and they, they were in a taxi, but the taxi wasn't authorized to come on base. So, um, whenever that happens and these people were brand new to the base, whenever that happens, you know, they just get out of the taxi and have to call an an on base Mm -hmm. taxi to come get them. One of them was a sergeant, one of them was uh, an E3 or an E4, and uh, I was talking to them while they were waiting for their taxi, and they were both helicopter mechanics, which that's a very Army job, and I asked them how they liked it, and both of them were like, eh. The sergeant, I can't remember what his deal was, but the E4 or E3, and he wasn't a boot, he had been in for a couple of years, he had not worked on a helicopter since um, AIT. Because really? he was in he was in S four, so he worked in like the tool room or the tool like every day whenever oh. you go to work. So he's like an armor, but he was mm. handing out wrenches instead of like M fours. Yeah. So he hadn't worked on a helicopter since AIT. It had been like two or three years because he worked in S four, and then yeah, the sergeant was S one or something like that, and he had worked on uh you know he actually did his job before. But that that's kind of like a whole other aspect to like imagine you join the military. And, you know, you find out you're going to be a helicopter mechanic, you go to basic training, you go to your AIT tech school, A school, MOS school, you learn how to do this job. And then they send you to wherever, you know, the hell they want. And then, you know, you're doing just, you have no, so, I mean, you might not have any control over what your MOS, your career field is. And then, but apart from that, you get this job that either you like or you don't like. But on top of that, you don't even know what your day-to-day is going to be like that. That adds a whole nother element of uh, unknown and. An unknown amount of stress is what it came down to. Well, because, you know, I was pretty, I mean, I, whenever I first started talking to my recruiter, I wanted to be security forces because my mom's dad was a army MP. And then my dad's dad was a pilot in the air force. Mm. So I decided to kind of combine the two as part of the reason. And then everybody in my family that had ever served in the military, every single one of them without fail said, Hey, you're going to join the air force. Like, don't, you know, the army is, you know, don't waste your time in the army. Don't waste your time in the Navy. So I was like, all right, cool. And my recruiter was uh, Security Forces, and he was a canine handler, and so like, you go to his office, and he has all these pictures of like him uh, holding down these like LPOPs in the middle of the woods in Bosnia with like a German Shepherd.
1: We must and have had like... the same
0: recruiter, dude. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, mine was a cop as well. That's awesome, man. And my recruiter was a great guy. Um, I, I like him a lot. I don't really like talk to him, but it's just because I don't talk to a lot of people, but he's a real cool I guy, so... Too. Yeah, I'm Facebook friends with my recruiter and uh, he was a cool dude. So I wanted to do security forces. Um, But then as I started like learning more about the Air Force and actually um, I was very fat and out of shape then like I am now. So whenever I was like officially in the depth, you know, you have these height weight requirements. So I had to lose like 20 pounds probably. Um, because you know, the standards aren't like that strict. So I started like actually working out hard for the first time in my life. And I think I lost like 60 pounds in the span of like six months, oh, uh, Jesus. which is not necessarily unhealthy, but I mean, I was like a 17 year old man that had never like, I was in sports my whole life, but not very good. And I never like truly worked out. So I started working out like legitimately for the first time ever and taking it seriously. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. And, uh, I think yeah, I think it probably lined up with like the hormones I was getting at the time and stuff. So I decided I wanted something a little bit above security forces and I wanted to do TAC P. So I had to like take the past test and all that stuff. And th- I think that was basically the only one I knew for an absolute fact, even then that, you know, like CCT or PJ would, you know, was not an option for me. EOD. I don't have like the academic aptitude to do EOD. I knew that. Yeah. And, uh, I was, zero percent interested in sear but tac p sounded like the coolest thing in the entire world so that was my life for a couple of months i took the pass test but whenever i go to meps um i failed because my my eyesight's not correctable to 2020 like even with lenses mm-hmm. um i have pretty bad eyes i wear contacts and they told me i'd have to get lasik and then also are still wearing contacts or glasses and i also flat failed the depth perception which uh i don't got me kicked out of eod dude so yeah, which is really unfortunate. They told me the only thing I was qualified for was SEER, and I was like, no, that sounds ridiculous. But now looking back, I would I would rejoin the Air Force to do SEER. That would be uh, phenomenal. But um I my contract was open general. They told mm. me to like take all these jobs and one of them was uh like maybe drone sensor operator, which would be pretty dope. So I wanted to be ass, uh dude. oh yeah, I wanted to be an aerial gunner, which the Air Force has those, but very few um, I put security forces on there and then I put open general and I talked to my recruiter about open general and he explained to me, he was like, so basically, you know, you get to pick a contract before like AFPC or whatever, whoever it is, the personnel center, I guess gets their uh, numbers. So you get to pick out of like all the open contracts. Now, that sounds amazing when in reality it's the opposite. It's like, Hey, these are the slots that we have open that we have to fill. So, um, in basic training, whenever they had all of the open general open admin open mechanical mm. people they we had these like packets of what jobs were available i remember one was geospatial intelligence and that sounded really hard and i think i put it and then i think the lady told me like oh, your ass not even high enough for this and i was like all right cool one of them was airfield management and literally the description it gave you i remember not word for word but i remember these descriptions and they're nothing like what's on the air force website which is what i was familiar with the air force or airfield management it talked about the pest control aspect of it like you're riding around uh like in a golf cart or side by side with a pellet gun like keeping birds off the runway you have to do like some uh survey stuff like you do survey of like the runways and stuff like that and but it even mentioned like in some bases like in louisiana and mississippi they give you you have to become certified on a shotgun so you can keep gators off the runway and stuff like that so honestly that would not have been a terrible job
1: we actually had a uh i guess to. I guess like the local government of Arizona, the they called okay. them USDA. Uh, sure, they would do wildlife deprivation. So another government agency, not being federal, but mm-hmm. these little pistols, yeah, like these little revolvers with like these screamer rounds. So if we had a hawk on the field or whatever, they go like go pew and just like shoot up right next to the hawk. But they also had a suppressed shotgun, and they would pop so many fucking little birds all over the place. Yeah. So like we had pigeons or seagulls because oh, those little
0: trashed birds and they go chunk, chunk, chunk. No, it's was like, that would have been a cool job had you got. Honestly, it. man. Yeah. But I was kind of lucky because there was a, um, there was a guy in my basic training flight and I'll say his name. I mean, he's a good dude. I don't have anything against him, but I do remember him as being one of the criers. Mm. I remember like maybe third or fourth night of basic training. I woke up in the middle of the night and there was like, I don't know, man, 10 to 20 dudes just like gently sobbing in their bunks. I kind of just looked around and rolled over and went back to sleep. Like, I mean, like I told you, basic training wasn't easy for me and I was extremely stressed out, but I was like still happy to be there. So I never understood that aspect of it necessarily. And this guy, he was, you know, he was actually from the state of Arizona and he cried a lot and he failed like a psychological evaluation, Mm. which, you know, and this is. It's basic questions like, do you want to hurt yourself? Do you feel safe? Like you remember the kind of psychological oh, yeah. in basic training. They're basically climate surveys sort of, and he failed that. They told him, so they took away his security forces contract. So one day in the day room, um, we were, it was, you know, we'd been in for like maybe four or five, six weeks. One of my MTIs was a cop and I raised my hand and asked him, I was like, Hey, we all know trainee. So-and-so just got kicked, lost his security forces contract. Can't I'm open general. And I asked for security forces, but can I have his contract? And he was like, damn, dude, that's cold-blooded. And I was just like, yes, thank you. And then he like, was but, like, you know. It's, like it's
1: cold-blooded, but can
0: I? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, talk I'm to here me later. I and I think that's literally what happened because I got pulled out of a formation one time. And there was a civilian lady that worked uh, over there, the same one that told me mm-hmm. like I wasn't smart enough to do geospatial intelligence. And she was like, hey, you know, we got you this security forces contract. And I was ecstatic, man. So that kind of brings me to my next thing. What did you think of tech school? well uh
1: you give the the power and they're like hey we're going to fuck your life up uh it'd be like all right so if we can't even get chow and we're the team training today like there's no other team at this chow hall today MTR's is like you guys going to be in and out in 30 minutes get there at 6 they open at 6 right mm-hmm. Our fucking ropes be like, dude. We want everyone in formation at four fifteen. We're like, are you insane? We would stand in formation for an hour before chow hall even opened. Mm-hmm. Um, as a whole, I really liked my instructors. Uh, Mister Powers, really good guy. Uh, he, he knocked me out, like in combatives, beat my ass, dude. And I wasn't being cocky. It was just he. It was decent training considering the base is actually going to being Volgaway, you know, very hands on base, really getting into the, the shit show of the, those bar fights. No, he, he beat well, my ass. And
0: then even before the bar fights, there's his name was a right? Oh, Mr. Arichi, that big, tall Turkish yeah. dude. Oh my yeah, God. That guy yeah forget the bar fights yeah so no, mr reach powers is preparing you for richie i i think uh mr powers was there when i was there which is not inconceivable at all i was like mm-hmm. a year and a half ahead of you and he was not assigned to my team but whenever we were at bullis and we would do mount and stuff like that he would be op four and i mean yep. uh, so well i remember there being two civilians one of them was like an old retired senior nco and he was pretty salty i was pretty scared of him and um uh, because one time he was always just yelling at everybody. Didn't matter what team you were on, he would just—he was just always yelling at everybody. I think so we I had like, him at catam I was like, man, that dude must be an asshole. And then uh, one day, I, c- I can't remember what we were doing. We were marching around and stuff, and we were hydrating. And some people were asking our sat pusher, um, you know, where we could throw our trash away at. Like I had an empty Gatorade bottle, and he was like, "We don't have time for that. We have gear issue. Just put that in your cargo pocket and let's go." So I had a gatorade bottle in my cargo pocket and it was like visible and it wasn't poking out but so he pulled me aside and he was yelling at me and my sat pusher came and saved me but it was still like so he was getting yelled at instead of me but that anyways that all that to say that's the only two civilians i remember did mr powers kind of have like longer hair like not hippie <laughs> hair but uh, uh, almost johnny bravo hair
1: yeah yeah same blonde like blonde uh he had a beard for us yeah I, mean, I know beards can come and go with the uh the switch of a razor <laughs> but no, yeah, we, were no doing that guy. we were doing uh-huh. like our, our last little uh qc or whatever the hell mm-hmm. and doing the red man he he's like all right you know he's like and start your three minute fight or whatever it was you know here's here's my right leg here's my arm you know here's my other arm he's like you know uh showing this stuff so he did that for about minute and a minute half he's like all right now now your fight minute and a half starts let's go mm-hmm. and he just he just closes that gap dude he's like in my grill just beating me down with punches, and we all know the typical thing, uh, in the shit situations, you revert to your lowest level of training. For me, it was baseball. So I grabbed the baton with both hands, I reared, like, I I twisted back, like I was about to smack this guy's head like, Mm -hmm. on a strike zone, and he stands on his tiptoes and just like, King Kong uh, punches me right on my exposed uh, uh, temple. Yeah? Sack of potatoes, dude. I just Wow. Night. I was only out for like a few seconds, but nonetheless, like uh, my baton was gone. I guess he had kicked it across the floor or thrown it across the floor. And I'm just curled, you know, h- like hands over my head. I'm like, I got to stop. Like, I got to make sure he doesn't hit this. Mm-hmm. Uh, come to, like, they, they, like, they kind of. I'm like, yeah, I, I think I'm okay. Uh, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. like, he punched you in the head. I'm like, no, I got that. Like, no, I definitely got that, but. <laughs> what happened <laughs> they're like it looks like you turned into a baseball bat and he turned your head into a basketball i'm
0: like oh mm-hmm. cool um i i'm almost certain we didn't have that in tech school i don't think we had red man training uh, in tech school i think the first time i went up against a red man was in greenland and it was uh, it was pretty chill i think it's kind of ridiculous because that padding is legit like that's an inch and a half thick probably and uh and dense, so like too. Oh, dude, it's great padding. I think you could use an actual baton against them and it would not hurt them one bit, but they give you that foam baton. Mm -hmm. So you have nothing, but I still think that's very important. Like what you're describing and what a did, because a lot of people, I didn't 18 years old, you're a cop. It's much rather like some people have never been in that situation before in their life. Like they've never Mm -hmm. been in a fight at school um, it's much better to have that happen in training than if you're in the middle of a domestic or a traffic stop or something. Like, I mean, that, that's honestly very necessary. So I'm glad they did that. Um, we had to go up against three, uh, for the combat readiness course in Korea, oh, but, yeah. uh, it wasn't, it damn sure wasn't like the same as like Raven school. It it was pretty intense. Some people got rocked a little bit, but uh, nothing compared to like Raven or maybe some of the other branches' combatives. But that was the only red man fight I ever had to do. I think Arichi had us go up against two. It was him and, uh, was it, what was his
1: name? Faulkner or whatever? Uh, Falconberg. Falconberg, yeah. So (laughs) I know they rocked my shit pretty good uh, a few times. And I got back from deployment and then had to do like a little reintegration training. And Arichi just, left hooked me like right across the jaw. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know what hit me. Like that had me reeling. Like, Oh, we knocked you out. Like I didn't fall down, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I didn't know what was going on.
0: (laughs) You know, I never got that experience from them because I joined you guys only like two days after but i never got that we did combatives with like sergeant manning and sergeant sanchez and uh richie was there but we did dude those are my favorite days of combatives where you do the thing where one person's in like a compromised position like they'll let someone take your back and you have a holster with a fake gun and -hmm. then you know you have like a minute you know the one guy's trying to take your gun the other guy's just trying to keep it those are fantastic dude that's so fun um uh we did stuff like that and then you'd have but like great the...
1: training though like that's real world application outside yeah, of just of being a cop for people who daily carry anything whether sure. it's like simple as a knife or just some less lethal or their pistol no you should always know weapons retention such a crazy thing speaking of retention
0: to. I inherited a, a 1911 when I was younger. it was my grandpa's and I don't have a holster for it and I don't I, it wouldn't be my daily carry anyways, obviously, but um I wanted I actually like drop leg holsters. Uh, nobody in the military seemed to like them because they would all they would take all the attachments off and you know just fashion it to be a hip holster. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked drop leg holsters. I, I mean, that was just, a, I mean, I, I just always did. So um, I was looking at, I just looked up, you know, Safari Land drop leg holster for a 1911. Do you have any idea how much they cost? Yeah, they're not cheap. Uh, I haven't looked at holsters in a minute, what, like 150, 200, something like that, I thought. 250, man. And I mean, yeah. you can factor in inflation if you want, but I was like, gee, like, I didn't know. I thought holsters would be pretty cheap and easy to come by. So I didn't know I needed to try to be stealing some of those, but now I wish I would have. Oh, I stole um, one. I stole my M9.
1: Yeah, I nice. stole my M9 one because uh, we transitioned out of the M9 to the M18. So like, we don't know what to do with these. I'm you like,
0: were there for that? Yeah, I had the wow, M18
1: for like my last six months or so. What did you think of it? Fucking loved it. Absolutely. That's no one of the greatest switches uh, security forces has done for us. Oh, I loved it. Sure, man. I, I have. Went, a, I went outside of the force too.
0: Yeah, I kind of the last one I bought. It's a Taurus nine millimeter. Okay. Um, and it's really small. But someone explained to me unless they were lying to me which is fine but they said taurus um used to just be a beretta beretta's manufacturing plant in uh brazil and then uh they the company got bought out and now they make their own weapons but they said internally it's no different than beretta and i was like well that's what i'm familiar with so that's perfect but um we were talking about guns jesus man i'm not usually this bad well uh i fucking love guns i'm yeah you do some of my stuff uh trying to move out of the uh in uh greenland we got issued we got issued some asp handcuffs and they were the hinge cuffs they didn't have the chain Mm -hmm. yeah but then a few weeks after that we all got emails saying that uh actually those aren't authorized duty gear so you're not allowed to use those um go back to using the you know the old handcuffs so whenever i was leaving greenland i uh i took both pairs of handcuffs with me but i put the asp ones in my cargo pocket so whenever they're doing like gear return they asked for my handcuff and handcuff key so i gave that to them and they were just like checking kept going down the list so i've got a pair of handcuffs but that's it
1: that's not bad it's not uh geez i stole a lot of shit i've uh (laughs) For we got issued mag for our M4s, mm-hmm. so half of my tiny arsenal are just old security force <laughs> steel <laughs> mags. I've got a few M9 mags. I've got just a ton of pouches. I mean, you know, they were mm-hmm. those shits. And somewhere, somewhere, I know I've got my old IoTV because I didn't check it off, and I didn't, and I know I have it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't pack it. So it's very possible that the the Tucson movers uh, have it now. You know, yeah, that that might be permanently gone. But I still got my Michelin Man jacket, got my Michelin Man
0: pants. That's what I take hunting. I think I just have the pants of those for some reason, and I don't remember why that is. I don't think I have the actual coat. Nah, I use the
1: coat for hunting, dude. I mean, your shit gets cold. Not as cold as you guys get. I mean, I think... I, I don't know. How cold do you, do you guys get? We don't get snow, really.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Um, So yeah, maybe colder than North Carolina. Not terribly cold. I mean... I think this year the lowest we saw was like 13, 14. That's not much different. And, I mean, I would say it probably feels worse here. Oklahoma is crazy humid, even though we're landlocked. Um, But the weather in uh, Oklahoma is honestly identical to what I experienced in Korea. It's been like getting into the 110s here during the day in the summer, which has been pretty brutal. I'm not uh, a fan of that. And then in the winter, you know, yeah, on the coldest days, it'll be in like the teens. Well, I guess Mm -hmm. sometimes overnight, I don't know what the temperature actually is because I get thrown off because they'll be like, oh, it feels like it's negative two, but it doesn't actually get to be negative two in Oklahoma.
1: Yeah. uh, I just did a quick Google search. The coldest it was last year was 20. Really? Yeah. 20 Fahrenheit. But yeah, man. Other than that, I'd say it gets kind of cold. But yeah, no, I love that jacket. Mm -hmm. Use it for everything. Didn't get a deer last year. This year, I'm gonna fuck one up, dude. I know what I did wrong. I know how to fix it. Going, my brother and I were gonna get one. He he married it into uh, a good amount of property. That oh good. yeah, oh yeah. Not much, like it's comparatively speaking. I think he married into like 20, 30 acres. That's more than locations. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's like ten at one and twenty at another. And his father-in-law was like, "Yeah, as long as you don't kill the wild, uh, my my herds." Say herds, so he's got like a, a few pigs, like an, and a, mm-hmm. a few sheep, and like a few donkeys. And uh that's it. He's like, as long as you guys don't kill him, plant whatever you want, do whatever you want, put up uh trail cams wherever you want. He's like, I don't care.
0: So we don't. <laughs> <That's> sick, <man. laughs> we do I, all that uh, fun stuff. I, I've taken up bow hunting recently and I've not killed anything yet, but uh, that's on the list. Oh, you'll do- say that again said, Oh, you'll get it, dude. Oh yeah. I keep Eventually. at it. Keep hammering as uh cam Haynes likes to say. He does say that, man, we have a lot more to talk about and we have no time to do it. Um, man, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, please do it soon. Uh, please come back soon. And one other thing I was going to ask, is there anyone that you know, and it doesn't have to be someone we both know it can be anybody, but is there anybody you know that would be a good guest for the show? Ooh, very
1: potentially. Um, yeah, not a, vet but uh this guy he's a he's an open-minded guy he'll throw some crazy shit at you i enjoy talking him. he's become one of post-military mm-hmm. um yeah you know, he's helped me with a bunch of stuff and no it's just honestly a fantastic fantastic fella i can pass along his info
0: yeah man that'd be awesome uh but really thanks so much and uh, i do hope to do this again because it's been a long time since we got to catch up um real quick i didn't realize it'd been
1: an hour and a half until uh I look down at my clock. I'm like, "Oh shit! It's eight o'clock, and I haven't eaten yet. I gotta say goodnight to my son. I'm like, I, I gotta get out of here." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I'd love to do this again. I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much, man. I got some friends that are running for political office. Michael Lima is running for Hayward City Council. He's the national organizer for the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus. He was a Marine vet, and he's a really cool guy. Uh, Michael's a good friend now, and his website's Lima for Hayward.us. Ben Weir, same thing, national organizer for the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus. He was an Army infantryman. Now he's part of the New State Project, which is – or the Free State Project, sorry. That's Libertarians move to uh, New Hampshire uh, into these specific counties, and then they all vote the same way, obviously. So it's kind of like a uh, Libertarian counties in the awesome state of New Hampshire, live free or die. And he's running for sheriff right now, and he would be a truly great sheriff. And his website's weirforliberty.org. And then uh, Will is running for labor commissioner in the state of Oklahoma, and his website is simply willthenumber 4 okcom um, Everybody, this has been Braxton and my buddy Sam. Uh, thanks for watching, and we will see you next time. See ya.